Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Trading is a game of persistence and traders need discipline and mental fortitude to pursue their dreams and crack the market. And sometimes we all need perspective on our lives as well. Today's special guest, Paralympian John McLean, is one of the most inspiring examples of mental fortitude, persistence and discipline I have ever met. At age 22, John was hit by an eight-ton truck while cycling on a motorway. He broke his back and his pelvis, and he became an incomplete paraplegic. But John was determined to not get out of the game of life and to prove himself as an equal. And he became the first wheelchair athlete to complete the World Ironman Championship, the first paraplegic to swim the English Channel, and a two-time competitor in the Paralympics winning silver. After 25 years in a wheelchair, in 2013, John started to leave his wheels behind and he is now able to walk again. After a lot of pain and hardship, he is now able to hold his wife's hand and walk on a beach. He's able to walk the dog, pick up his son and ride a bike. John's story is proof that with discipline, mental fortitude and the right thinking that dreams really can come true if you have the right people supporting them. But just before John's story, Louise Bedford also gives perspective on life for traders with her trading challenge in Mind Power. I've got a challenge for you. It's a try this at home trading tip. It's something small and easy that you can try yourself at home that will have a powerful impact on your trading. I want you to choose from this list and do it right now. And that way you'll be able to take the freshness that comes from listening to the Talking Trading podcast and create an action step for you and your trading. You can read through your trading plan to see if it still fits with your objectives. Or say thanks to your spouse for giving you the space to learn about the markets. Sometimes we don't show gratitude because we just expect they might like to have that little extra recognition. Try being grateful for your trades and your trader's life. Feel it deeply. So many people don't have this opportunity you do. So make sure you make it all that it can be. Or maybe you could give yourself a treat next time you follow your trading plan to the letter. Those little treats can just refresh your subconscious and make sure that you keep on the right track. 
So my challenge is choose one of those four ideas, these concepts that I've shared with you. Either read through your trading plan and see if it fits with your objectives. Say thanks to your spouse. Be grateful for your trader's life and maybe even write about it. Or give yourself a treat the next time you follow your trading plan to the letter. Take one of those, try it at home, implement it. And I'd love to hear how you go with that. You can contact me, louise at tradinggame.com.au to tell me all about how you have implemented this try this at home. Tired of the stress and sleepless nights worrying about cash flow and customers? Give yourself a mid-year break and join business expert Jason Cunningham in paradise as he guides you through the key lessons from his latest book, Have Your Cake and Sell It Too. Learn the steps to grow the value of your business asset so you can maximize your future sale price and in the meantime, build an awesome and profitable business. Get back in control and get the financial and lifestyle rewards that you went into business for in the first place. To book for this life-changing event and hang out with Jason, Chris and Louise in paradise, go to thepractice.com.au forward slash Fiji or call Ali on 03-88-88-4000. But hurry, places are filling fast. John McLean was a little boy who loved to run, but at age 22, while cycling on a motorway, he was hit by an eight-ton truck and became an incomplete paraplegic. But that didn't stop John from pursuing his dreams of being a professional athlete or ever hoping to walk again. Here is John's incredible story. John McLean, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on this morning. John, let's start off with a really basic question. What were your goals and aspirations as a kid growing up? Yeah, I was a little boy who uh, who loved to run. So I dreamed about uh, being a professional athlete and often gazing out of the classroom window. Maybe I should have paid more attention to the chalkboard back in the day. But my, uh, yeah, my dreams were maybe um, grow up, be a fireman and be a professional athlete. All right. June... 1988, you were 22 years of age. What happened? I was out training for a triathlon. as cross-training to rugby league, which is the game that I love to play. I got hit from behind by an eight-ton truck riding my bicycle, uh, which broke my back in three places, uh, pelvis in four, but it had damaged my spinal cord at T12, which is around about our belly button region, uh, becoming an incomplete paraplegic. So I was in a coma for a couple of days. I was transferred by a helicopter from Westmead Hospital uh, to North Shore uh, Spinal Unit. And I woke up um, very scared and frightened after coming out of that coma. So it was a traumatic uh, shift from being very confident at 22 and life is fantastic to uh, fighting for life and then trying to make sense of where I was at and what life was going to look like going forward. So let's go into that, what life might have looked like for you when you moved forward. In the dark hours of the night, after your accident, months or years, you must have had feelings of despair and anguish and heartache. What kept you going? That's a really good question. I think uh, for all of us, if we open our eyes, we can we can see things from different perspectives. Even in the darkest of dark, uh, example for me, when uh, I came out of that coma, 
and gradually started to realize that life is going to be very uh, different. The guy who was on the other side of the room, still in intensive care, um, I still recall his name, he was riding his uh, motorbike and he came off and broke his neck. So he could have moved from his neck down and here's me, um, broken, but still uh, able to use parts of my upper body, given my right arm was pin and plated in, in two parts. So that it wasn't functioning at the time, but I could still use the, my left side. I guess I realized that uh, a couple of things, one that I was uh, lucky to survive. How many people do we know getting hit by an eight-ton truck traveling at 110 kilometers an hour riding a bicycle survive? So that's one. Uh, number two, uh, that I was a paraplegic opposed to a quadriplegic. And when I was finally moved out of the intensive care into the general general ward, um, all the other three gentlemen had broken their necks. So I, when I was wheeled into that room in, in the bed, I felt very uncomfortable because when I, I could get myself out of the bed to transfer into my wheelchair to leave the room, and I knew that those three sets of eyes were looking at me and wishing that they could do the same. Oh, my gosh. And were you with Amanda, your beautiful wife, at this stage? No, not at that stage. Um, we were uh, we were still uh, chasing our own dreams, and I was very fortunate to, uh, to meet Amanda um, down the track. So you had feelings of gratitude that you weren't a quadriplegic, you were just simply a paraplegic. How did you reconcile spending the rest of your life in a wheelchair after being such a fit, vibrant, gorgeous athlete? Oh, well, I think a couple of things. One is that um, it's really important to share that absolutely I got depressed and was very flat and very tired and grieving for the life that I wanted to get back to. Now, when you talk about a cat catastrophic injury like a spinal cord injury, um, it's really difficult. It's not just something you just say, okay, change and let's go forward. It, you need to go through what well, I would recommend going through the grieving process. So for me to cry many tears, knowing that I would not get back to running and playing football and doing the things that I, I love to do, that was really hard. Mm -hmm. So uh, my dad coming in to see me in hospital, my late father saying, son, I would give you my legs if I could. And that's what a father says to a son. Um, my brother saying to me, who was my uh, my idol growing up, John, this is going to be a marathon opposed to a sprint, so understand it's going to be you know, taking a long time. My family physician, uh, Dr. Gabriel, coming in to see me in the spinal unit and looked at the notes on the back of the bed, and you would imagine, Caroline, there were many notes. And eventually he said to me, John, I don't want you to worry because you will be bigger, you will be stronger, and you will be faster. And then he left the room, and he said to me many years later, he said, I didn't know what to say. He said, I, I saw you broken in the bed and I just wanted to uh, plant some seeds to hopefully inspire you. So they, those were the best words um, that were shared with me to give me a glimmer of hope in, in a really dark space. So you were the first wheelchair athlete to complete the Ironman World Championship. You were the first paraplegic to swim the English Channel. You represented Australia twice in the Paralympics winning silver. Were these sporting goals and achievements a way for you to regain a sense of control and purpose over your life? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for me initially, um, and bearing in mind that you know I, I managed to play reserve grade football for Penrith Rugby League, which is the again the area that I grew up. So I, I went pretty close. The dream was to play first grade. So you know we went pretty close. And then there's this piece around um, starting to define yourself and how life defines you, and therefore. A couple of examples. I really struggled because when I was confident in signing autographs for kids and those things, I was very comfortable in the skin that I was in. And then after spending four months in a hospital and, and broken to try and find an, yourself and make sense of life going forward. So I always felt really uncomfortable of this label that I was then determined to be a disabled person, which I really struggled with. 
because I believe that we all have abilities and we should focus on our abilities opposed to anything that's negative. So to say that someone is disabled, you're telling them they are less than. To, to diss someone is not to encourage them. It's the complete opposite. So for me, I wanted to see myself as being equal, and that's why I set some huge challenges like the Ironman, like the English Channel, which are non-wheelchair sports, uh, to make a statement for others um, and have a voice to say, you know, if you have an injury, you're still the same person. So let's continue to inspire each other and set our targets to areas that we can uh, focus on. So for me, uh, eventually after doing the Ironman and, and the channel and other things, I finally saw myself as being equal. So um, not that anyone has to do that to see themselves as being equal, but that was the path or, or the, the challenge that I'd set for myself. Which one of those did you enjoy the most? Well, it's hard to enjoy the Hawaiian Ironman, and it's also very hard to enjoy the English <laughs> Channel. because. But I think there's a beautiful piece here, right, and about these opportunities for all of us because I was training for a little triathlon, the Nepean Triathlon in, in Penrith, and uh, on the scale of triathlons, you know, that's Australia's oldest triathlon, but you wouldn't say it's the hardest triathlon on the planet. Uh, and then watching Wild World of Sports in the day, I, I saw the Hawaiian Ironman and I saw a wheelchair athlete participate in 94 and did not finish. So an opportunity presented and I, I wanted to be the first in the world to do that. And coincidentally, after that, a buddy of mine in Penrith, Ian Byrne, was a solicitor. He had just won the English Channel training at Penrith Pool. So he said, mate, if I can do it, you can do it, and therefore the next opportunity. So I, I would say they were equally difficult uh, challenges, but if I was to say there's one that meant more to me than the other, it would be the Hawaiian Ironman because my best buddy, John Young, was there to inspire me to get me through it. So um, I'm, I'm glad those things are behind me and, and not in front of me. <laughs> and did they give you a feeling of empowerment? Yeah, absolutely, because when I was participating – I was, I was a part. So I, I was at the same start line. I finished at the same finish line. Uh, my mode of transport was different than the other competitors, but I was, I, I was a competitor and I was encouraged uh, as such. So it was, it was wonderful to get back into the game of life. And I, I feel, Caroline, that most of us have these fears that we build up over time, internal dialogue, and therefore um, that then holds on to you. So what you hold on to in life holds on to you. Uh, so I thought, you know what, well, let's take on some of these challenges and face my fears. Like the truck driver, I met the truck driver who caused my accident. Uh, it took a lot of courage to do that, but I'm glad I did. And therefore, I put that behind me. So the example of not living in 1988 when my accident occurred, I do my best to try and live with you right now, for example, be oh, in the moment. Oh, my gosh. And how was it meeting the truck driver? Well, initially, it was, it was really difficult because I had to contact him and, and ring him up. Uh, you can imagine we all have anxiety. Uh, often with anxiety, some of us have more than others and therefore that can be quite paralyzing. And I say that in the sense of uh, being focused to fear. So I, I, I made the phone call, my blood pressure and all this up. But I'm glad I did because uh, when I got the opportunity to meet him and ask some relevant questions, I realized that um, he was just doing his job and an accident happened and accidents happen in life every day. So I didn't want to be defined or trapped back into that moment, let's call that 1988, I wanted to say, okay, accidents happen, you know, I forgive you, let's make the most of the cards we're dealt and see how far we can go. One person a day in Australia has a spinal cord injury and most of those people are told that they're never going to walk again and you were one of those people. But you're redefining what might be possible for people with spinal injuries and in 2013 you started to leave your wheels behind and incredibly and most touchingly you're walking again. How was this possible? Okay, so it's really important to note, especially for the people who uh, have had a spinal cord injury or people who know people in, in that space, that uh, again with my injury, I'm an incomplete, incomplete meaning that um, my spinal cord 
was not completely bruised or severed. I, I have paralysis. I've had an MRI. There is damage to my spinal cord. And I made the most of the cards that I was dealt. And, and I saw myself as a, as a wheelchair athlete to, you know, to live that life. When, when I had my accident, I felt that the door had closed. In actual fact, it opened up in, in a different way. So I made the most of that. So fast forward time to 2013, I go and see a gentleman by the name of Ken Ware. So Ken Ware came up with a therapy called tremor therapy. Essentially, what that does is accesses the nervous system to see what the potential is so everyone is different and for me going through this therapy there was still a, definitely some movement going through both sides of my legs so I still had paralysis mainly on my right side but we found that was so, there was more than that I presumed so the question after that was you know what do you want to do and I said I want to walk so I was very clear and he said I believe that's possible so when, when we say walking I'm walking I'm, I'm actually upright and I'm doing my best to put one foot in front of the other it was not like what it was when I was running uh, I'm not running I'm, I'm now making the most of what I have to get access to so therefore my potential and on top of that um, we've been able to get access to world-class uh, technology innovation out of the US military which is now carbon fiber leg brace technology so you can imagine back in the day for those who are old enough to remember a movie called Forrest Gump Yes, um, yes. Yes, if you haven't seen it, recommend it. It's a great movie on many levels. So we're kind of talking back then about steel and leather. And fast forward time, we're now talking about carbon fiber and Velcro. So with my leg brace, I'm, I'm able to walk. I can now walk the dog. I can pick up my son. I can hold hands with my wife and walk with her. I can ride a bike. So uh, again, it, it's really, really exciting. And I think for some people, in particular spinal cord injury, it's about exploring your potential and seeing what you have and therefore making the most of it. So people who without spinal cord injuries, it's the same question. We often tell ourselves that we can't do things and over time we buy it, so therefore that then becomes our reality. I'd like to say to people, stop having those conversations that don't support you and get back to the little boy or little girl within and get back to trying. So that's my message. That's huge because I was going that my next question was talking about the mental fortitude that you must have in abundance to push through what you have and where you drew your motivation from and what kept you searching for each new challenge. Well, that's a, um, that's, that's a really good question. I'd like to bring my dad in now in, in terms of introducing him. My dad, and for those who don't know my story, we immigrated from Scotland. Uh, I, was, I was born here in Australia. My, my brother was born and sister in, uh, uh, in the UK and Scotland. So we immigrated here and my mother didn't uh, cope well with, uh, with mental health. So we spent the first five years in foster care. So, and unfortunately, my mother then took her life. So finally, dad was uh, doing his best to give us every opportunity and, you know, it, it was pretty tough, but, you know, we, we grew up out west and we made the most of the cards that were dealt. So where does that yeah, internal fortitude come from? I think it comes back to the little boy who used to love to run and express himself in that form. So fast forward time, having my accident and therefore chasing dreams and living the life that I, I dreamed about, I managed to do that. So dreams do come true if we truly believe them and surround ourselves with people to support them. So now I have this uh, injury. I've made the most of the sport. I meet a guy who says, hey, um, if you want to keep on having that life and those conversations, keep doing it. If you don't, well, you better stop that and therefore then open the door to possibility and see what your potential allows. So I went, I would like to see what that looks like. There's never any guarantee in most things in life. But when I started to explore that, I let go of the life as a wheelchair athlete. I gave away all of the equipment that I have. I didn't sell it. I gave it away. And then I went, okay, so what can I do now? And, and therefore, the little boy started to dream again. 
And I said to myself, maybe it's possible to go back and complete the triathlon that I was training for 26 years ago. And with a lot of hard work and having a wonderful team to support that, the dream came true. And, you know, it was so wonderful to cross the finish line with Amanda and Jack. So I think that internal fortitude goes way back to the little boy who used to love to run. Do you think after everything you've been through, you can look back and say that the biggest obstacles in people's lives are the biggest opportunities and the making of them? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree to that. I think um, it's, let me take it a little bit further. It, it, we are only our thoughts. So that means that the body is a slave to the brain. Example, you tell your hand to move, it moves if, you have, if you're able to do that. So now think about uh, how most of us drag the past into the present and therefore into the future. Meaning, if you had a series of bad relationships, you'll find ways in, in your internal dialogue to, to not allow yourself to have the fullness of the potential of a wonderful, loving relationship. So you can see how people are trapped. My example, you might say, that guy is bitter and twisted because a truck hit him back in 1988. And if my language supported that, I would be living in 1988. Point being... I, I choose now to live in the moment and make the most of the opportunities. So therefore, for all of us, if we're able to learn to let go of the past, yesterday, don't drag it into today. Like, let it go. Let the truck moments go to allow you to explore potential, which means it's unlocking all the things that you've ever wanted to do. It's time to go and do them. So uh, hopefully that makes uh, a little bit of sense. It does, and you've probably answered this question, but I'm going to see if we can delve even a little bit deeper. How much do you think your mindset visualization played in you walking again? I think it played a massive role. Um, so m number one, we have to talk about what we are capable of. Um, Ken said to me that you were always capable of doing what you're doing today. I was just not aware of that capacity and certainly back in, in the day. So for me, it was, okay, that's the wheelchair and you know make the most out of that. So I did. And therefore, I believed all the conversations that John was having with John which means I'm not having them with anybody else. It's just the me conversation. So the language that I would use would be, you know, I, I'm John McLean. I'm a wheelchair athlete. So nothing changed because I kept on having the same conversation. Eventually that got shifted. And then finally, you know, I had the conversation around thoughts um, that we can talk ourselves into something as easily as we can talk ourselves out of something. So I say to myself, uh, it's almost like Groundhog Day, if you can use, uh, sorry for dropping movies, but the piece about, you know, Imagine waking up every day going, okay, here's a new day. I'm not carrying yesterday. What, is, what can today look like? So this is always to do with our, our thoughts, right? So imagine if you can then say to yourself, irrespective of what the clouds are looking like outside and it's raining, we both know it to be true that if we get in a plane and we go up, we know it's a blue sky. We know that to be true, right? So therefore, if we know that to be true all the time, then why don't we have a blue sky approach all the time opposed to... Well, there are lots of examples of people saying you know, it's too windy or it's raining or it's, it's uh, a, a negative approach. So I, I like, to like to look at life as half full. And if we can all do that, we can have a better quality of life, better relationships, better employment, better everything. With your story and your incredible story, what have you learned about yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Um, what have I learned? I've learned that um, most things are, are very simple, meaning that, what mum and dad share with you and what you learn in the play pit, you know, when you're a young toddler, they're the lessons for life. So, and then often as we go through life, we get complicated by having both internal and external conversations. But when you bring it back to the, the essence and the basics of life, unfortunately, you know, I was there when my dad passed away. Um, I understand that the things that are important are having a goal for self, like wake up and have something to look forward to. You know, the importance of family, where you start and where you finish. 
uh, when you go to work, hope that you love what you do, right? Because you spend so much time in that space and you earn money to do the first two. And the last one is to give back to the community. So make a contribution. So what have I learned? I've learned that it's important to like, love myself, therefore, and then others. Uh, I've learned that it's really important to um, have a job that I'm really passionate about, which I love. Uh, I've learned by having a foundation and helping kids in wheelchairs that piece about giving. Dad said, son, it's better to give than receive. Hard to t- say that to a 12-year-old around Christmas time, Caroline, but you can imagine now that I, with so much joy with the, the members of the board of the, of the John McLean Foundation that, you know, we help families have a better quality of life. So I've learned a lot of lessons, but the basics are the only thing you ever need to know is that you love and you were loved, full stop. If you could go back to your 22-year-old self just after the accident, what would you say to him? That's a great question. I'd say, um, oh, okay, get me emotional now. Mm. <laughs> what would I say? I, I would say that um, you're going to be okay. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go through a lot of pain if you're talking about the boy before his or the young man before his accident. Uh, you're going to go through a lot of pain, but know that in time you will you'll be strong. Um, you'll be able to chase some dreams. You, you'll uh, you'll eventually get married. You'll have a beautiful family. And you know what, you're going to be okay because that 22-year-old young guy, after having his accident, was very, very scared in terms of reverting back to the little boy. So I'd say that you're going to go through some tough times, but understand you'll come through and you'll you'll be okay. What's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Best piece of advice? Okay, so the gentleman's name's Tony Garnett. He, uh, a dear, dear friend. He was uh, back in the day in terms of doing um, Iron Man and chasing dreams. Uh, he said, "I think you've got a future in presenting, in terms of telling uh, telling your story, which evolved a, a lot since then." He said, "I just want you to be yourself. Don't be anybody else. Don't try and be a comedian. Don't try and be polished. Don't do that. Just be you, and um, and you'll do well." So that's the best bit of advice that I had received. Um, best bit of advice for my dad: always try your best. That also said to me, I don't don't care if you come first or last. Even if you're talking uh, about sport, just try your best. So I want to pay that forward to my son as well. John, where can people go to find a copy of your book? How far can you go? Yeah, best way to, thank you, Caroline, to access that would be uh, go to the website, johnmclean.com.au. McLean spelled M-A-C-L-E-A-N. And uh, they can certainly find more about my story. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on your program today. It was such a pleasure, John. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Caroline. Talking Trading will be off the airwaves over Easter, but we will be back on the 26th of April. Stay tuned to hear trader Gary Stone on the differences between men and women in investing. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a wonderful Easter break. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.